Well, good morning. Oh, we're so glad you're here. Um, welcome to Fairfax Bible Church. My name is Hang. I'm the worship pastor here, and uh, we're so glad you're here this morning. Just a little uh, quick fun fact. My wife and I lead a small group on Tuesday night. If you're in the two small group, please raise your right hand. There should be 21 of you guys. What happened? All right, thank you. Leave me hanging there. Um, I just counted the other day. We have five nations represented in our small group. So if you're looking for a little bit of an international flavor, you know who to talk to, right? That's right. Come talk to us. We'd love to plug you guys in. This morning, we're going to continue in our Living Sense series. Last week, Pastor Matthew preached on the topic of courageous evangelism. I love this. We are saved to speak and display Christ to the watching world. And today, I'm going to preach on the topic of fervent prayer, that in praying for the nation, it is one of the best ways that we can love Christ and live sent. To some degree, we all can agree that prayer is a mystery. Amen? It is. One, on one hand, the Bible tells us that God is sovereign, that He's unchanging, that He's in control. You can't strong-arm God into doing anything, right? You can't do that. But on the other hand, the Bible tells us that, in fact, uh, that, that we can pray, that God invites us to pray, and He will hear our prayers, right? Jesus said, if we have faith as a, small as a mustard seed, we can move mountains with our prayer. It is not our prayers that move mountains, right? But it is the object, object of our faith. God can move mountains. And so we live in this in-between, in, in this tension. So you have to ask yourself, what is prayer? What is prayer and how do we define it? Great question. I'm so glad you asked. Let me give you our definition this morning. Prayer is pouring out our hearts to God in praise, petition, confession of sin, and thanksgiving. Prayer is pouring out to heart to God, pouring our hearts to God in praise, petition, confession, and thanksgiving. I take it from Psalm 62, verse 8. Psalmist says, Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. The psalm is a book of prayer with many types of prayers. What does prayer? <coughs> He's kind of young. He's still learning. Don't forget that, Ryan. <laughs> Where was I? The, the psalm is a book of prayer with different types of prayer. What does prayer got to do with living scent? What does prayer got to do with living scent? In order to answer that question, we must take a step back and to see God's overarching redemptive plan for the nations. So here we go, a little bit of a history. In the Old Testament, God uses the attraction model. He draws the nations to himself through the nation of Israel, good job, yeah. Israel, right? Um, unfortunately, as you study the Old Testament, Israel fell miserably. In fact, they became more wicked than their pagan nations. In the New Testament, under a new covenant, God uses a sending model. God sends the church to the nation. So we're to go and make disciples of all nations. He gathers us in order to scatter us. Pastor Matthew preached about this a couple weeks back. He brings us in in order to send us out, right? So it's no longer come and see, 
but go and be the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ in whatever context He has called you to be. And this sending model is God's plan A of salvation for the entire 8 billion people in the world. You and I are God's plan A of salvation to the nation. I kind of scare a little bit, right? We'll talk about that a little bit. That is a huge task. So in my preparation, as I was praying, the Lord led me to Psalm 67, and which is a beautiful prayer for the nations. I know you guys just sit it and comfortably. Would you stand with me one more time? Let's read this psalm together as a prayer over the nations. Okay? Let's read it with passion, boldness, firmness, and believing in God's word. Let's read it together. Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us, Selah, so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the na- with equity and guide the nations of the earth, Selah. May the people praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. The land uses harvest, God. Our God blesses us. May God bless us still so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. Thank you. Please be seated. Here's our big idea from Psalm 67 for us this morning. God blesses us so that we may bless and pray for the nation to know, delight, and fear Him. Psalm 67 is a missionary psalm. It is a prayer of blessing for the nation. The word nations repeated three times and the word peoples five times in this psalm alone. Who are the nation and people at the time when this psalm was composed? These are Israel's worst enemy. They worship pagans' gods. And they live life contrary to who God is and his, his word. Apart from grace, we too are enemies of God. But he blessed us through his son. And now he wants us to, to bless the nation, even to our worst enemy, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. This prayer also reminds us of the Abrahamic blessing in Genesis chapter 12. The Lord said to Abram, I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing to the nations. God's desire for the nation to worship him is not an afterthought, right? Second Peter verse three, chapter 3 said, He does not want anyone to be lost, but all to come to repentance. And the fact that we Gentiles, non-Jews, are here this morning in this auditorium worshiping God is an answer to this very prayer. Just out of curiosity, how many of you are born outside of the USA? Right. That's wonderful. Welcome to America, including me. We're so glad you're here. Just out of curiosity, how many of you are born outside of Virginia? Okay, that's a lot. I can't count them, all right? That's a whole lot, except a few. We're glad you're here, too. And that is awesome, isn't it? God blesses Israel and his church so that they may be a blessing to the nation, bring the blessing of the gospel to the nations. And one of the best ways for us to live Christ, to love Christ and live sin, is to pray for the nation. We can love Christ and live sin through the ministry of prayer. 
you don't need a PhD in theology in order for you to pray. How many of you have a PhD in theology? Raise your hand. Okay. <laughs> no, no, I, I don't. Yeah. And it's okay. You can pray anywhere. You can pray anytime. We can pray through Jesus because he's given us access to the Father so that we may find grace and, and mercy in his throne. Here's the first point uh, from this text that I see. Pray for the nation to know God, verse 1 and 2. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us, Selah, so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among the nations. Notice the psalmist is praying to God. That's very important. He's not praying to people. He's not praying to creation or any created things. He's praying to Yahweh. Uh, my wife waited for two hours before she can talk to somebody from Air Canada before she can change her flight to Japan. I waited for probably 20 minutes, talked to somebody on Amazon. They don't want to talk to me. They don't want to hear from me, right? I just have to press button. But the all-powerful, all-knowing, infinite God of the universe wants to hear from you. He wants to listen to your prayer. Isn't that, isn't that incredible? That is amazing. God wants to FaceTime with you, and he wants to connect with you intimately. And Psalm 116 said, he inclined his ear to his people when he pray, when they pray. He inclined his ear. What a gracious father. Prayer is first a privilege before it is a command. Prayer is, an, is not an obligation, rather it is a divine invitation. Turn to your neighbor and say, divine invitation. The psalmist accept this divine invitation and ask boldly for God's grace and God's blessing in verse 1. Up to this point, Yahweh already has been gracious to Israel in so many different ways. He forgives their sin, delivers them from bondage and their enemies, performs countless of miracles, gives them instruction on how to love God and how to live sent. It's in there. How to relate to one another, right? God has been so gracious. And, and the request to make his face shine upon us in verse 2 remind us of the ironic blessing from number 6, right? To have God's face shine upon you is to have his ultimate blessing. Do you know who gave me the, the, the blessed welcome when I come back home from a long day of work? My four-year-old Aki, right? His name means bright or shine. So there it is. He would run toward me on this particular day, he and his Mom was playing outside, and he would open the door and give me a big old hug as though he won a million dollar. I am the million dollar. You should be proud. Yeah. He would kiss me and say, Daddy, Daddy, I'm so glad you're home. While my other family members are like, eh, hang his home. <laughs> now imagine the God of the universe running toward you with that kind of enthusiasm and excitement and anticipation when you pray. Can you imagine that? But infinitely more because he's an infinite God. The Bible said the Lord rejoices over you with loud singing before you pray, before you open your Bible in the morning to read. He's like, ah, singing over you, welcoming you in his beloved son. He loves you. So when you find no strength in the morning to pray, you're too depressed, you're too tired, you're too uh, fed up with the life, just remember 
He loves you and He's welcoming you. And Jesus said He's praying, He's interceding for you before you pray and talk and sing to Him. Amen? What a gracious Father. And the opposite is true. When God turns His face away from His people, it means ultimate rejection. It means ultimate judgment. Deuteronomy 31 verse 17 and 18 said, When my anger will be kindled against them on that day, and I will forsake them and hide my face from them, and they will be devoured. No wonder when David was being chased by an army, they tried to kill him and devour his flesh. He could have asked for deliverance. He could have asked for protection. He didn't. You know what he asked for instead? To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire him in his temple. He asked for the creator God himself. Because he knows that God himself is his greatest reward, his greatest treasure. One commentator said, Israel is the world's highest priest. If Israel has the light of God's face, the world will not, cannot remain in darkness. I want to say that about the church. If the church has the light of God's face, if you have the light of God's face, the people around you will not live in darkness. In this past week, I bet we all, to some degree, pray verse 1. God, would you be gracious to us and bless our children, protect them, God, heal the sick family member, protect them from COVID-19, so on and so forth. But how many of us have gone on and praying verse 2? Be gracious to us and bless us so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among the nations. The joy and blessing God has bestowed upon you every single day is incomplete until you extend and give that joy, the blessing to others. It is impossible to receive God's blessing, God's love, God's mercy, and not give it away. And that's why maybe Jesus said it is better to give than to receive. Notice the word sailor. Some of the commentaries uh, think that the word sailor maybe some kind of musical <clears throat> pause, since most of the psalms are written for the purpose to be sung in corporate uh, worship. The sailor here encouraged the readers to pause and reflect on God's blessing. But after that, go on to verse 2. May God be gracious to us and bless us. Sailor, think about it, reflect on his grace and blessing so that your ways may be known on earth. Verse 1 is a prayer, while verse 2 is the reason for that prayer. God, would you bless me with a big house in this season so that I can use that space to host the 221-people member small group, so that I can host a refugee and immigrant from Ukraine and Afghanistan and Mexico. God, would you bless me with a big old job with lots and lots of money, with a big promotion? so that I can send 10 more missionaries to places like Yemen and Saudi Arabia. God, would you bless me with a PhD in physical therapy so that you can send me to the poorest places like Sudan and Nepal to serve the underprivileged and pro proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. I challenge you this week to pray verse 1, but with the motivation of verse 2. And if, and, and if in God's wisdom and sovereignty, he answered your prayer by giving you a little house, a little job with itty-bitty skill, 
you still can use that to love Christ and live sent and pray and use your resource to bless the nations. Amen? So how do we actually do this? How in the world do we actually pray for the 3.4 billion unrich, unsafe in the world? That's a big task. I think the book um, Gospel Fluency helped me a little bit. God meets us in the 10,000 little moments of the day. And we can meet with him and pray for the nations through those mundane, through those little moments in our lives. For example, um, when you're cooking, how many of you enjoy cooking? Raise your hand. All right. Ten of you, the rest are going to be hungry. Yeah, cooking is fun, right? Doing dishes, not so much. Um, as you're cooking, preparing meals, you can pray for your next-door neighbor or the teenager you're supporting through Compassion International who may be cooking as well. Pray that someday they may taste and see that the Lord is good, right? God revealed to them their deeper spiritual needs through their physical need of food. May one day they may eat of the bread of life and drink of the living water so that they will never go thirsty and hungry again. I was jogging this week, and one morning I saw a man wearing a turban, is that what you call it, on his head? And I think he's a Sikh, and he's walking his dog, and he's very gentle. When there's a spot, you know, a puddle or whatever, he would pick up his dog and, and carry him over. I said, wow, what a gentle, gentle man. And so as I run, I said, I can practice this point because I'm going to preach on this. And I said, God, would you walk with this man one day? Would you open his eyes to see that you desire to walk with him as the way you walk with Adam and Eve in the garden? And not only that, would you through him introduce the gospel to his family, his wife, his kids, his uncles and aunts and grandparents, that they too would walk with you one day? Praying for the nation through the little things of your life become um, breathing is very organic not formulaic. You don't need to take a PhD course to learn how to pray for the nations. Just think about all the little things that you are doing in your life and turning those things into conversation, intercession for the unsaved friends and for the nation. God gives us his blessing, verse 1, in order that we may pray for the nation to know God, verse 2. Don't be verse 1 only kind of Christian. Move on, go on to verse 2. Turn to your neighbor, say, move on to verse 2. All right. <clears throat> Second thing I see from this psalm, not only praying for the nations to know God, but praying for the nation to delight in God. Verse 3. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the people praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations on the earth, of the earth. I see this little formula here. Um, I didn't have time to make a charge, but it's simple. Knowing God will lead to delighting in God, will lead to singing passionate praise to God. Amen? The more you know about someone, the more you're going to fall in love, hopefully, with that person. The more we come to know God, trust Him through His Word, through walking in relationship with Christ, we will come to delight in Him. Give you an example, just a quick story. When I see the word singing and worship, I can't just let it go, so I have to just jump on that a little bit. In 2005, I was on a mission trip slash internship to Indonesia with my Moody classmate and Papa Nu, Dr. Nu, 
uh, who is Pastor Nate's son and who is Josiah's grandfather. Raise your hand, Josiah. Come on. That's not embarrassing. And when I met Josiah, he was this small, just so you know. And now he's like a tree. Um, we used to call him Papa New. I was his favorite grandson. I mean, student. <laughs> Love Dr. New. We spent majority of our time on this island called Manakwari uh, in Iranjaya, teaching and preaching, doing evangelism. And because these people are indigenous people, they look more like African than Asian. The government took advantage of them and, and, and took away some of their privileges. But when the gospel was preached in this region, majority, half, more than half comes to saving faith, while the rest of Indonesia mostly are Muslim. And we were so pleasantly surprised on a particular Sunday morning, they were singing, uh, you know, hymns in their own dialect, like Amazing Grace or Grace Thy Faithfulness. And all of us Americans are like, we know that song. And we, we join in, we worship. But when they bust out their own worship song that they wrote in their own language and in their islander kind of beat, I had no idea what they were singing, but we we're all in tears, rejoicing, worshiping with them. No idea what they're saying, but our spirit just grown with them in the spirit, loving. In that season, I learned so much about leading worship, learning so much about how to worship. They got nothing. All they have is the shirt on the back and the little, little back maybe. And, but the love of the Lord, the joy of the Lord, their passionate praise in their life was amazing. Christian singing doesn't begin on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. It starts in your home in your living room, in your bedroom, in your car, in your everyday life stuff. As you sing, pray for your unsaved friends. Pray for the nation to come to know and delight and sing to the Lord and worship Him for who He is. Pray for the nation to write their own song to worship the Lord. In verse 4, the writer gives us two reasons for the worship. For you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. Because Yahweh is a righteous ruler and a just judge, he would not show favoritism based on the color of skin or our skills or our performances. He would judge everyone on the basis of, of their faith because salvation is in faith alone, Christ alone, and grace alone. And this is the ultimate question everyone must give an answer to. Have you believed and trust Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, John 14, 6. And if you have accepted Christ this morning, you are saved. But if you have not believed in Jesus, you can today. Open up your heart to him. Invite him in. Trust him with your life. Give your life to him. God is not only a righteous ruler. He is a sovereign Lord who guides the nations of the earth though they may not recognize or know him. Pontius Pilate, Herod, the Roman soldiers, the Pharisees, and the high priests have no power over Jesus' life or death. It was Jesus who laid down his life voluntarily for his sheep, 1 John 3.16. And the book of Revelation tells us that for all of eternity, the nations, people, tribes, and tongues will gather around the throne and will sing for, to sing of the sovereignty, rulership, and glory and honor of the Lamb forever and ever. And that's why we sing this morning, what is done, what is done, 
all the glory and the honor to the Son. But imagine millions and millions and billions of people gathering around Jesus, singing, singing over the rulership and the, the sovereignty of who Jesus is. John Piper said this, the nation's joy is the consummation of our joy. Our joy in the Lord is incomplete and until we give it out. Pray for the nation to know God. Secondly, pray for the nation to get rid of idols and delight in God and sing for joy. And lastly, the psalmist tells us to pray for the nations to fear God. Verse 6 and 7, the land uses harvest. God, our God, blesses us. May God bless us still so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. I think one of the tangible manifestations of God's blessing in the world is the abundance of crops. This prayer of blessing points all the way back to Genesis 1 when God, when God first blessed the vegetation and the trees uh, on the fourth day of creation. The logic here is that the growth of earthly production should produce a reverent fear and a proper worship of Him. Pray for the nation to recognize God through the beauty and glory of creation. I'll give you an example. How many of you have been to a Disney World? Just kindly raise your hand. Wow, that's a lot of you, right? Yeah. And um, let's say one day you and your buddies decide to drive to Disneyland, Florida. It's about 15, 16 hour drive, depending on how fast you are. About 800 miles, right? And every couple of hours or so, you see billboards and signs telling you that you have another three days of driving, whatever. 200 miles, okay? And then you're like, yay, I can't wait. Wouldn't it be silly and ridiculous for you and your buddies to, to pull over the last billboard that said, Disney World, 10 miles, exit 2, right? It would be crazy. You take out your coolers, you take out your suitcase and start laying them around. You grew your little marshmallow hot dog. I don't know what you guys do, but, you know. And you just camp under that billboard, right? And then you take pictures, and you put them on social media and say, Yay, Disney World, look at how fun. And then you print those pictures, and you put them in your bathroom and bedroom and living room and say, We went to Disney World, look. Crazy. That would be ridiculous. None of you would do that. Why? Because you know that that billboard is pointing you to something better and greater, a better re reality, a greater reality. In the same way, creation and all of its beauty, all of its glory, the rice field of India, the olives of Spain, the coffee bean of Ethiopia. I haven't tried it yet, Benjamin. I can't wait. The cornfield of Iowa. I think I tried that. <laughs> the billion stars in the universe, right? Your marriage, food, sex, pleasure, entertainment, comfort, movie, all of creation are but sign glory pointing you to the ultimate glory, the glory of the one and only full of grace and truth. Jesus is the Lord of the harvest. Jesus is the creator and sustainer. Everything was created by him and for his glory. 
Verse 6, one more time. The land yields its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. May God bless us so that all of the ends of the earth will fear him and give him the glory that he deserves. Would you be the one to show the nation, to pray for the nations this morning, not to bow down to sign glory, but to worship the one and true God? Would you pray for the nation to come to know and delight and fear God for who he is and what he has done? As we close, let me give you some ways to pray for the nations uh, specifically. I gathered this from different pastors and missionaries over the years. I'm not an expert. I'm still learning and growing in this area. I'll go over them quickly, and I want us to give us maybe five minutes or so to pray over the nations this morning. The big idea is this, guys. Pray with your Bibles open. Let Scripture be your word and guide to the heart of the Father. And let Scripture open your eyes to see the spiritual needs of the nation. Worship team, you can come on up and play something in the back. Say you can turn down the light if you want. Firstly, we talked about this earlier. Pray in the mundane. We can meet with God and pray for the nation through the 10,000 little moments of the day. Secondly, pray with Scripture as it relates to the culture, history, current event of the nation. Let me give you an example. Japan has less than 1% Christian today, but with lots of religions like, uh, such as Shintoism, Buddhism, Ancestorism, and probably the biggest one is atheism, right? And the idea of honor and shame are at the root uh, in this country from the start, so, for instance, many young men die in World War II by flying their, their planes as missiles into enemy's battleship because that was more honoring than being captured, right? And when they lost the war, many would take their own lives because that was the more honored thing to do. Honoring the emperor and the family name is the purpose of life. It just happened that there's so many verses in the Bible that talks about honoring Jesus. Take 1 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 17, for example. To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor, glory forever and ever. Amen. So you can take this verse and pray over Japan. God, would you raise up a new generation of young men and women in Japan today who will live to the honor of Jesus Christ? who is the ultimate, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only emperor, who is worthy of their lives. May their hearts be captivated by this new emperor who willingly laid down his life for his people and in return, this new generation will live to the honor, glory, praise of Jesus Christ. Open up your Bible. Let scripture help you pray for the nation. Give you an example of praying as it relates to the current event of the nation. The top two countries with the worst drought in recent years are Somalia and Zimbabwe. Isaiah 44 verse 3 says, For I will pour water on thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I just love the imagery of rain coming down to a dry land, parched land, and it will produce crop and vegetation and will feed the people. And then... The second part of this verse said, I will pour my spirit upon your offspring and blessing on your descendant. 
you could pray something to the effect of God I know this passage is referring to Israel but would you have mercy on Somalia and Zimbabwe just as the way you have mercy on Israel pour down rain heal the land feed the people but more importantly pour your spirit bring about repentance revival renewal for the people in Somalia and Zimbabwe as I pray the Lord gave me Isaiah 55 as the rain come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth so is my word that goes out of my mouth it would not return to me empty but will accomplish what I purpose God as you send your rain and the snow onto this place in some of this country would you send forth your word to bring about revival repentance save them Lord save them use scripture as your guide as you pray thirdly pray with scripture by being sensitive to God's timing you know God lives outside of time but he's also orchestrating everything in his time for his glory and for our good I was leading a team to Taiwan to share the gospel by teaching English uh, we didn't realize that it was ghost month um, which is on the seventh month in the lunar calendar which is around Ju July or August so during this month the gates of the underworld hell would open and spirit would release with the freedom to visit the family uh, roam around the city and so the entire country of Taiwan would enter into some kind of idol ancestor worship and as we were teaching a student they came back and say it's a very scary month to be in Taiwan because spirits are flying around and doing scary stuff and so we have to adjust our curriculum and teach our student that Jesus is stronger is bigger than the boogeyman and that he is in his name you can trust him that he's your peace and I still remember the song that we taught I don't remember how many couple hundred students and they sang this song I have peace like a river in my soul heart and some of the students would come back and say you know it was scary last night but when we were scared we we sing the song you taught us and we we, we, we try to recite the, the Bible verses and the boogeyman went away there's no more nightmare and so we taught them to run to the strong name of Jesus that in Christ we are more than conqueror if God is for us no nobody can be against you could it be that, that in that season God was giving us the promise the promises of Psalm 8 though we were small and weak in number and the churches was very weak Psalm 8 verse 2 said from the mouths of children and infants God has ordained praise to silence the enemy and the avenger do you know how infant praise God kaka kaka or worse than that but God is so powerful that he could take the praises of infant and children to shut off his enemy could it be that he was advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ in this region through the praise of the powerless children we were in awe of what God was doing in that time yes we have to make some changes yes it was hard but as you open up your your Bible and pray God will show you 
His heart, His love for His people. Amen? And in order for us to pray with discernment, we must slow down to listen with our Bibles open, listen to the Spirit leading, listen to the cries of the nation through the hearts and ears and the Word of the Father. As for the remaining time, why don't we just gather in a group of two or three, keep it small, I have some prompts on the screen for you. Would you take a moment and pray? You can use different passages as you like. John 3.16 can apply to any nations, any time, any season. Pray for the nations. Amen. And I'll close this in a word of prayer. So let's break into smaller groups.